Disobedience is what originally severed our alliance and allegiance to and with God. If you want to put a simple one-word definition to sin, it's disobedience, rebellion. You see, in developing the relationship that we need to have with God, you and I cannot allow this nature to rule us, and let me add this thought, or to be the excuse for our ungodliness. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. Today I'm continuing our Building the Christian Life series with a sermon I've titled, Knowing God, Man's Problem, and God's Promise. Psalm chapter 63, we have a a picture of intimacy. We've been talking about intimacy in this series, intimacy with God and and that close relationship. And listen to the psalmist as he writes here as a declaration of his relationship. Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul searched for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in your sanctuary. I've gazed upon you in your glory and power. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you. Through the night, because you are my helper, I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. I believe the psalmist is writing this, and as we find from Genesis Revelation, we find a reality, and it's very simply, number one in your notes, is that man has a fallen nature. Now, listen to me real quick. There's a lot of doctrine out there that teaches once you get saved, that fallen nature is no longer in place. Well, let me just say it unequivocally, that is a lie. That fallen nature will be there until the day you go home to be with Christ. Okay? It is something that you and I will deal with. And I wrote it in your notes that there is a longing in man that is still prevalent today. And that longing, we think, well, that's a longing for the glory, or like the the psalmist says, no, it's a longing to do wrong. Don't look at me like that. You know I'm talking to you, because I'm talking to me. There is a longing. It's called man's fallen nature. 
This is the central cause of all Christian demise and the pivotal point to every backslider's excuse. The old saying, I don't know if you're old enough to remember Flip Wilson. But Flip Wilson was a comedian back in the early 70s, and his famous things was, the devil made me do it. I didn't do it quite as good as, did I do as good as him here? No, quite as good. Okay, yeah. Always blaming the devil. Well, let me tell you, that is not an excuse. The devil can't make you do anything if you're a Christian. But your flesh can. We have a fallen nature. And I want to give you three areas that should set off lights in your head that says, that's what I'm dealing with. We want to blame the devil. (coughs) We want to blame society. We want to blame our husband, our wife, our family, our friends. We want to blame the television. We want to blame, no, we got to blame the person sitting in our chair. Because ultimately, it is that nature that we have in our lives that we have to deal with. Letter A in your notes, man incessantly and almost inherently disobeys God. How many knew you did wrong before you did it? Okay, we got a half a few honest people here. My hands go up, my feet go up. I knew I was doing wrong when I did it, but guess what? I did it anyway. It's that nature. And why does this problem exist? Let me take you into one of the most interesting passages of Scripture in the Bible, Romans chapter 7. Here, after we finish the Ramsey series, I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm not, I don't do, usually do a whole bunch of um, exegetical or uh, expository type preaching where you go verse by verse. But I'm going to take you through the book of Romans, all 16 chapters. I'm going to take you, not verse by verse, but topic by topic through the book of Romans after we finish this thing. Why? Because I'm going to help us understand this Christian life. How many think that's a good topic to get onto? I'm going to take you on Wednesday nights through that entire book of Romans, 16 chapters, and talk about the theological and the doctrinal part and the talk about the humanity and the life part to help us understand why we are what we are, why we do what we do, but why we can do what we should do. Romans chapter 7, real quick. So the trouble is not the law, for it is spiritual and good. Underline this in your notes. The trouble is with me. Now, I know you're going to love this sermon because we all love to blame ourselves for stuff, don't we? The trouble is with me, for I am all too human. I am a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself. For what I do, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree with the law that it is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. Oh, I have to work on this one because we're going to use this. Well, hey, I just do what I do. It's just what it is. No, there's a whole lot more to it. So I am not the one doing what is wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. Somebody say amen. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in what? My sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. 
But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing it. It is sin living in me that does it. I've discovered this principle in my life. Listen, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all of my heart, but I want you to underline this, please. But there is another power living within me. It's at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. How many can say amen to that? Who will free me from this sin, this this life that is dominated by sin and death? Then he answers the question, I thank God. The answer is Jesus Christ, my Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I remain a slave to sin. I was having a cup of coffee with Justin the other day. And Justin and I were talking, and he told me a little story that I thought I'd bring out this morning. He said that he had, a, he had somebody heard the story from somebody. I remember exactly how it went. I hope I don't butcher it, Justin. If it does, just yell, you got it wrong. This 80-year-old man was talking to a younger Christian, and the younger man asked him, when does the desire for lust go away? The 80-year-old man says, it goes away? Did I do okay on that? Was that close enough? The answer is no. I remember as a young Christian, I thought, man, I can't wait till I'm saved for you know 20 years or 30 years. How much easier it's going to be to serve God. It isn't. Because the more I live for God, the more I understand I need God. I am messed up within myself. In your notes, and I want to encourage you, don't condemn yourself when you have desires that are contrary to God. This is the nature you and I were born with. Disobedience is what originally severed our alliance and allegiance to and with God. If you want to put a simple one-word definition to sin, it's disobedience, rebellion. You see, in developing the relationship that we need to have with God, you and I cannot allow this nature to rule us, and let me add this thought, or to be the excuse for our ungodliness. Can, can I just be open and honest today? Is that good? Because I'm talking about you, I'm talking about me. We can't allow this nature to be our excuse. Though the nature is real, we have been given authority to in it. So what I want to do is I'm going to take you through this and, and, and walk you through the realities. Number one is man is incessantly and almost inherently disobedient to God. Number two, because of this nature, man incessantly and almost inherently hides from God. Literally what it is that we do is we want to blame everything else. We want to push the button that it's someone else. And that actually covers the next two points that I'm going to talk about. But our desire to hide and run from God is real because we don't want to face the problem. Because the problem ultimately remains us. Am I, trying to make, am I making any sense today? Let's take it back to the Garden of Eden. 
Adam and Eve, they fall for the deception of the enemy. Now, I know a lot of people would like to blame the woman. Now, frankly, listen to me, gentlemen, before you go off on machoism. The Bible says that the woman was in the transgression because she ate first. But listen to me. A lot of the guys would like to say, well, hey, Adam was over tending the garden somewhere. No, if you read Genesis chapter 3, he was standing right next to her, and she held the apple or fruit and gave it to him. He's standing right there. She was deceived, but he openly just ignored God. You ladies should have shouted on that one. I just. That's what the Bible says. She was deceived. Adam was deceived also, but instead of Adam standing up and saying, no, 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 that's not what we're doing, he joined in. And gentlemen, it's easy for that to happen, and ladies, it's easy for that to happen. I shared with you a couple weeks ago, I love my wife, but if my wife decides to go off and live in sin, guess where I'm not going? With her. I'm going to do everything I do to get her back, but I'm not going to go. There's so many husbands won't come to church because their wife won't come to church, and so many wives won't come to church because their husband won't come to church. So many children won't come to church because mom and dad won't come to church. So many mom and dads won't come to church. Just start filling in the blank. We're always looking at everybody else, aren't we? This is going to be a good sermon. When I first started pastoring, I had steel chairs in the church. Aren't you glad we're further than that, David? You glad? Oh, there's David right there. I I called you David. You're not David. You're David. It was so funny. I could always tell the ones that God convicted the most because their chair was the shiniest. They were just wiggling all service. That's an idea. What do you think? Let's go back to steel chairs. Okay. But Adam, so what did he do? Instead of owning up, he goes out and he creates the first designer line of clothing, fig leaves. And he goes out and gets them, and all of a sudden he thinks he's won the battle because he hears God walking in the garden and says, Adam, where are you? He thinks he fooled God, that God doesn't realize what was going on. Yet the problem is in Adam's life, just like your life and just like my life, it's not that God's fooled. It's not that God doesn't see. God wanted Adam to know where he was, that he was now lost, blind, and deceived, listen to me, because of a choice he made. Not because of the devil's deception. God judged the enemy. But God said, because of the choice you made, Adam, now you've got to leave the garden. By the sweat of your brow, you're going to do all the benefits in this world. By the work that is set for. Listen to me. God will do all he can do to get us to know where we are and where we need to turn, which is back to himself. We can run. We can rebel. We can retaliate, but ladies and gentlemen, we cannot hide. Luke chapter 12 in your note says, There is nothing covered up that will not be seen. There was nothing hidden that will not be known. What you said in the dark will be heard in the light. What is said in secret will be shouted from the housetops. In John 15, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Nothing. 
But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Let me make a statement. It's going to be a little uncomfortable, but it's necessary to say, if your life is not growing in Christ, there's nobody to blame but the person in your chair. I've had people over the years, and I don't care if you're going to a bad church or a good church, whether the preacher's a great preacher or a bad preacher. You got good worship, bad worship. You got whatever. As long as they're propagating the word of God, if you're not growing, stop blaming everybody else and look in in the mirror. Is this okay? See, we're talking about that intimate relationship. You remember the psalmist? He said, I lie awake at night thinking of you, Lord. The third thing that happens, which ties into the second thing, because of this nature, we incessantly and inherently deny responsibility before God. We literally find it easier to blame everybody else and making ourselves the victim, which now causes us to become the victimizer because it's somebody else's deal. Can somebody say amen? See what I've learned over the years? I've pastored 30 plus years now, and I have learned that we'll either face responsibility or deny it. We'll either face our sin or we will flee God's presence. We will either confront our problems or we will blame others. But you know the common denominator in all of that? It is all a choice. It is all a choice. I I can say something that will offend you, but for you to be offended, you have to choose to be offended. I can say something that you don't like, but for you not to like it, you still have to do what, Monty? Choose not to like it. I mean, come on, look at this face. What's there not to like? It's not as glorious as Libby's maybe, but still, look at this thing. But the truth is, is that not what it is? If, if I'm going to put Andrew and Angela, they sit here on the front. If Angela cooks her, her famous casserole, and all of a sudden Andrew takes one bite, like it or not, he better be loving it. <laughs> or he might be wearing it. Oh, that's a little humor there. <clears throat> but the reality is it's his choice. Maybe the wife didn't put the right ingredient or left something out or whatever. They can discuss it. But the truth is, is because of the relationship they have, he's going to love it. Oh. He's looking at me and saying, is there something I don't know here? Romans chapter 14, look at it. None of us lives to himself. I know we'd like to think, well, this is my life. No, no, no. Well, it doesn't affect anybody else. No, no, no. It's not your life, and it affects everybody. None of us live to himself. None of us die to himself. Each of us will give account of our lives to God. We can run through it and blame everything and blame everyone and do anything we want to, but ultimately God says, when that day comes, just going to be me and you. Just going to be me and you. Now, now, let me just jump into this. It might be drugs. It might be alcohol. It might be pornography. It might be whatever. If you need help, get it. Come talk to your pastor about it. Oh, I can't talk to pastor. You better talk to somebody about it, and don't talk to another porno guy 
or another alcoholic or talk to somebody that's been there, done that, but broke it because of the blood of Christ. You got to face it if you're ever going to fix it. Can somebody say amen? The next time the problem arises, you you need to ask. I'm talking about building intimacy. Once again, go back to the the plate of of dinner, okay? It's not a matter that that it was bad or right or wrong or good or bad. The next time it comes up, honey, did you put that extra bit of seasoning that I liked in it? Or did you keep that one thing out? You worked it through. You got it situated. You're giving me that look, Andrew. I'm not sure. Maybe I shouldn't have went that direction. I, I don't know for sure. But anyway, but think about it. The next time you're in that situation, ask yourself, what is my part of this problem? What might I have done different? We have this inherent nature that wants to blame everybody for our problems and not accept them for ourselves. John chapter 3 gives us kind of a clear picture of it, for this is the condemnation. Light has come into the world, but underline this, folks, men love darkness rather than light because their innate nature, their deeds, their lives are evil. Everyone practicing evil hates the light because he does not come to the light. Why? This life will be exposed. I love people to come up to me and they say, Pastor, Jesus loves me just the way I am. And I say, you're correct. He loves you just the way you are. He just loves you too much to leave you that way. And that's the bottom line. If we're not growing, we can't look anywhere else but in the mirror. See, this is the picture that happened with David and Bathsheba. When Nathan came to to David and shared the story, and I don't have time to get into it, but confronted David, the king, who could have taken and removed 20 pounds of ugly fat from uh, uh, Nathan's shoulders. Nathan went up to him and said, David, you're the guilty one. And look what David said. And ladies and gentlemen, if you highlight your notes, your Bible, your notes and stuff, you need to put this in there in Psalm 51. David said, I acknowledge my sin is always before me. Listen to this. He said, I deal with my sin nature always. What I have done is always before me. And listen to what he says. Against you and you only, God, have I sinned. See, David knew the consequence of his Adamic nature. Adamic means the sin that began at the fall of Adam and Eve. His sin nature, he knew the consequence. And he knew there was only way, one way to cry out and to be cleansed. And it goes on further in the 10th verse where he said, God created me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Ladies and gentlemen, it's nobody's problem but our problem. If we don't have intimacy with God, these are the issues that separate us, our sin nature. We have to deal with it. Can you say amen? The last two things just quickly this morning that I want to do is to show you how God 
helps you and I deal with that sin nature. Number one, he gives us a renewed mind. The day you got saved, you were given the mind of Christ. Romans chapter 6 says, we know that our old sinful nature was nailed to the cross with Christ, that the power of sin that held us was destroyed. Listen to this. The power of that sin, the ability of it, the deception of it, still alive and well, but the power to bring you into bondage said now is our choice. Sin is no longer our boss. When a man is dead, he is free from the power of sin. And you and I have been raised in Christ. And we believe we will live with him also. We know that Christ was raised from the dead. He will never die again. Death has no more power over him. He died once, but now lives forever. He died, listen to this, underline it, to break the power of sin that dwells in your life and mine. He died to break that power, and he now gives us life in God. You and I have to do the same thing. Think of yourselves as dead to the power of sin, but now you have new life because of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Can somebody say amen? Let me take you over to Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I don't think I'll put it in your notes, but let me just tell you. The Bible says, I have been crucified. Paul is writing. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I. If you write, write in your Bible, underline that in your notes. Yet not I, but it's Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live in this flesh, dealing with this sin nature, I'm going to live according to the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Over in Galatians 5, uh, uh, verse 24, it says, Those who belong to Christ have crucified their sinful nature with its passions and its desires. That's why the Bible says that you and I have to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily. It says to crucify our flesh. God has given back to us the innate desire to have an intimate relationship with him. The same relationship that Adam and Eve had before the fall. The Bible tells us to know God, to have this intimacy, is to love God. And to love God is to seek him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. And that's what the psalmist is saying. I long for you, God, in this parched land with no water. I'm ever thirsty, but in you my thirst is quenched. Look at Acts chapter 13. And when he had removed him, speaking of Saul, listen to what he said. He raised up David to be king. And look what he said about David. He was a man after his own heart. Ladies and gentlemen, it was not that he was called that because he was perfect or without sin, but just as his writing declares, he always continually sought after God. Look at that passage there in in Acts 13 he said I found a man after my own heart look who will do all of my will in Jeremiah 29 it says if you seek me you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart look at me please quickly this morning 
And folks, I don't want to be the bearer of mad news, but I don't want to be the pacifier of excuse either. If I'm not building that relationship, the key word in there, I am the one that's at blame. If there's something else more important, I am the one at fault. That's not good. That's not popular preaching, folks, but it's truth. David knew to have the relationship God with God that he needed, he had to daily seek the Lord. Just like building a relationship with my wife, daily we spend time together. Just like spending, building a relationship with a friend, daily. So here's three things that will be keys to you and I building that intimate relationship. Four things, actually. Number one, make it a constant effort and purpose to seek time with God and his word. Once again, back to our, our, our text in Psalm 63. He said, I, I long for you. I thirst for you. I follow close behind you. Intimacy is not found or developed in a vacuum. In the 27th Psalm, it says it like this, one thing I have desired, not two things, one thing. And he said, this is what I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to require, uh, inquire in his temple. The 139th Psalm says it like this, O oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. And then the psalmist turns it right back around and he said, God, show me who I am. Know me. Try my thoughts, my anxieties. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in your way. Everlasting. David said, God, I'm going to search you, but you have to show me me that I can get me out of the way to know you better. Can you say amen? The second thing is to make it a constant effort and purpose to make time. The first time you got to seek you got to seek the time. you got to look for it in extraordinary places. It's kind of a hysterical thing. My wife and I went to the, uh, went to the uh, what they call that thing? The nail place. My wife got me a pedicure. I liked it. It was pretty cool. If I can be honest with you, it was the second one. I liked the first one, so I went back for the second one. It was cool. The first time I went, you know what I'm taking with me all the time? My computer is always on my lap. It's always in my presence. How many have been to lunch with me or breakfast with me or coffee with me? And how many know my computer's there? I'm looking for a way to attach it to my hip so I don't have to carry it anymore. It's just there. You know, like a six gun right there. And I, I'm always, so I'm sitting there, the manicure, or that the uh, pedicure thing, and the girl that did it last time was busy, so she couldn't. But she came to my wife after a little while, and she said, does he have that computer with him everywhere? She said, yeah. You know why? I'm always seeking. I'm always searching. I'm always reading. I'm always studying. I'm always growing. I got one thing on my mind, ladies and gentlemen, and that is to grow in God, and that is to have the well reservoir to help you grow in God. And I can't do that if I'm, if I'm focusing on lots of other things. First thing is I do is I seek time, every opportunity I have. The second thing is I make time. Here I'm sitting getting my, getting my, my, my petty, whatever that thing's called, done. Okay? And 
Is this going to be on the tape? It is, isn't it? I don't know if that's good or not. But anyway, so I'm sitting there, and I said, hey, good time. I found some time. I took my computer, and you know what I did? I sought time and found it. Now I'm making time. First Peter says, for this is what you were called, because Christ also suffered, leaving you and I an example to follow in his steps. He was always seeking time and making time for his relationship with his father. Number three, make it a constant effort and purpose to prepare time in God and his word. Listen to what I'm saying. Psalm chapter 1. His delight is in the law of the Lord. Speaking of you and I, we meditate on the Lord day and night. You know what I'm doing? Is I'm preparing myself. I'm preparing my mind. I'm preparing my heart that when I can find that time and I make that time, I can have that time in God. I'm preparing the 63rd Psalm once again. He said, I'm going to seek you every way I possibly can. We need to be careful, ladies and gentlemen, to avoid subjects that would cause us to compromise our spiritual sensitivity. Listen to me carefully. If you're watching a television show and all of a sudden there's some scanty-dressed little girl, turn your stinking head or turn the channel. Or if it's a guy, can you talk like that in church, Cease? You don't blame the television. I get so irritated these people. Well, you can't talk about Christian on the radio. Turn the channel. You can't. I got an on-off button on mine. Do you? You've got to be careful it doesn't compromise your spiritual sensitivity. Look at Titus chapter 1. To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. Even their mind and conscience is defiled. Susanna Wesley said, anything that dulls our desire for God is sin. The fourth thing that we have to do is make it a constant effort and purpose to examine our life by God and his word. By God. 2 Corinthians 5 Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to God. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, and each one, that each one may receive the things done in his body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. To do this, we have to be honest with ourselves. There's an old book by a guy named Charles Sheldon. It's called What Would Jesus Do? It became kind of a fad for a long time and is still to some WWJD. What would Jesus do? Well, I like to change one of the W's, a couple of W's, and say walk with Jesus daily is a good way to do it too. God must be first. To live a godly, intimate life with Christ means that when those bad thoughts come up, we cast them down. We take an initiative to cast them down. So the question that I ask, are we a reflection of the Lord or a deflection of the Lord? Is my life filled with gratitude or just encompassed with a bad attitude? We all know whether our life is pleasing to God. We all already know. We know if somebody's looking at me, if they see Christ or they see me. 
I, I'm always blessed. But it's also a, a trouble. I was sitting at the Higher Grounds coffee shop the other day, and I was sitting there working with my computer and having a cup of coffee, and the people in there, they all know me. They know I'm a pastor. They know I'm a Christian. And, and uh, you know, I'm sitting in there working on my computer. And all of a sudden, I get a phone call, and I'm interested in somebody on the phone. I hung the phone up, and a guy sitting right behind me says, there's no mistake in that voice, is there? I listen to you every day on the radio. You say some really cool stuff. Could you imagine if I was uh, perusing something not so godly? Could you imagine if I was doing something questionable? He's sitting right behind my computer. He sees it full screen. You say, Pastor, well, I never get myself in that predicament. Good. Did you know that Jesus is watching that screen too? You know, Jesus is listening to that. God said, I want to give you a renewed mind. But you've got to be careful what you allow in that mind. The last thing, quickly, is God wants to restore your heart and mine. Developing an intimate relationship with God is more application than transformation. God can transform all he wants to, but if you consistently go back to the same stuff, guess what's going to win? That sin nature. That sin nature. Our outside position is the external view of our inward condition. Romans chapter 12 says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He said, do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect, what's that word? Will of God. You don't want to miss this next part of this series. I'm going to teach you how to find the will of God for your life and to show you how much, how easy it is compared to what we allow it to because it deals with this whole restoring of our mind and renewing of our hearts. It all has to deal with that. People ask me, say, Pastor, do you know that you know that you know that you know that you're doing exactly what God wants you to do? I know that I know that I know I'm doing exactly what God's doing. Exactly. So here are some key steps to developing an intimate, uh, keeping the intimacy growing. Number one, build relationship with others who are godly examples, not just by their words, but by their lives. I've shared this before, and, and some people get irritated at me, but there's some of us got to find some new friends. If, you're hang, if all you're hanging around with are people that are taking you down the tubes to the cesspool, you got to find some new friends. You say, well, pastor, aren't I supposed to change them? Yes, but you're not, so find some new friends. You should be able to hang out with them. I, I'm a believer as a Christian. You should have sinner friends. But you're supposed to be affecting them. They're not supposed to be affecting you. Is this message working okay today? We're supposed to be affecting them. They're not supposed to be affecting us. Build relationships. You want to keep and build an intimacy with God? Build relationships with others. And when you sit down, God's what you talk about. Philippians 3 said, pattern your lives, Paul speaking, after mine. And learn from those who follow our example. 
The second thing, when in a questionable or unsure situation, ask yourself, what would Jesus do? Folks, I have irritated more people in the secular world because all of a sudden a bunch of guys want to tell this girly joke, and I say, excuse me. Well, why are you leaving? Because I don't want to listen to that stuff. Why not? Because it's not good for my mind or yours. Let me tell you a story that would be better. Oh, no, 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 no. You say, oh, pastor, how are you going to reach him if you irritate him? If you stand there and be like him, you're not going to reach him either. Number three, remember God doesn't measure success like the world. He said if you want to be a winner, you've got to be a loser. If you want to be exalted, you've got to be humbled. If you want to live, you've got to die. Jeremiah 9 says, let, the wise, not, let, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and he knows me, that I am the Lord. I exercise loving kindness, judgment, righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight. The heart, I wrote this down and I, I, just, I, I read this someplace and I wrote it down and I wanted to read it to you. It's not in your notes, but listen to it. The heart of Jesus is spiritual. Our heart seems so far from his. He is pure, yet we are greedy. He is peaceful, yet we are hassled. He is purposeful, yet we are distracted. How could we ever hope to have the heart of Jesus? Ready for a surprise? We already have the heart of Christ. We already have. One of the supreme promises of God is simply this, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. If we're giving, if we have given our life to Jesus, Jesus has given himself to us. And strange as it seems, we Christians actually do have within us a portion of the very thoughts and the mind of Christ. The same one who saved our soul longs to remake our heart. His plan is nothing short of total transformation. Therefore, let us fix our eyes on Christ. Perhaps in seeing him, we become more like him. Building the Christian life is what this series has been all about. In your notes, I put together a little test for you. And I want you to take that test. No, it's not a turn-in test. It's a let-me-see-myself test. Of your personal relationship with God. Look at it. Does my mouth and mind switch to autopilot during praise and worship? Or do I really enter in? I can't remember the last time God answered a specific prayer. Does it apply? Does it not? I wonder where my joy went in serving the Lord. We passed out those things. You know how many people are irritated because I took so much time? Talking about your ministry? Where'd the joy of the Lord go? I read my Bible and pray only out of duty, not desire. Does it apply? Does it not? I feel guilty when I see or hear others growing and learning and hope no one examines me. I find myself critiquing 
the church instead of growing in it. Smiling, happy Christians really tick me off. Better not hang around Lib much. She always got a smile on her face. It's not, or excuse me, it's been a long time since I have been moved spiritually. I'm always looking for way, I'm always looking for ways, I'm sorry, typo, to become less committed to the body of Christ. I just want to show up on Sunday. That's it. Number one, or number ten, and I seldom ask myself, what would Jesus do? This is a test I want you to take. It's a private test, just you and God test. But be honest. Be honest. People have come to our church and they say, Pastor, you kind of just lay it out there the way it is. And I said, yeah. Because in our church, there's two things that will happen. And it's not the second one I don't like, but it's what it is. In our church, we have a church that in it you'll either grow or because of it, you will go. My desire is that in it you will grow. And just like it says over there in John 4, you will go into the world and be a Christian. That's what I want. That's what I want. I pray today's message touched you and helped you. I actually had a song that I was going to sing this morning that goes along with the message, but I'm already longer than I wanted to be. Maybe I'll sing it next week. But all that God wants us to do is understand He's there wanting to be intimate with you, wanting to be intimate with me, wanting to have that one-on-one relationship. And He's there. Are we? Are we? We can't all be. But we got to put everything else aside. And we got to seek the time. We got to make the time. We got to prepare for the time. If we'll ever have the time. Because time's not our friend, folks. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.